to get into the weeds of how things get made and the people who make them. I'm so excited to be launching this show because I love the entertainment industry and I'm really looking forward to connecting with other people who love it just as much as I do. So a little bit about me. I, uh, I'm a Canadian entertainment lawyer in Toronto, but I wasn't always. I did a bit of acting and worked in casting for a time, so... Um, I've seen a lot of sides of the industry, but not everything, and I'm and I'm really excited to learn the stories that you know you don't get to hear because they're behind the camera. Today we have a really special episode because I was joined by Mark Vandeven, who is the showrunner of the the Great Canadian Baking Show, and he was so generous with uh, with so many of his answers and really giving us some insight into what it means to be a showrunner, a story editor, and a writer on an unscripted series, and and of course. We talk all things behind the scenes of the Great Canadian Baking Show and how the show got made. Uh, it's a really, really good episode that you definitely don't want to miss. So let's let's get right into it. So we are, of course, going to talk all things Canadian Baking Show. But before we do, I'm curious, you know, what got 18-year-old Mark excited about the entertainment industry oh, that's great i it was 19 year old mark um <laughs> to be precise because when I, I grew up i grew up in a very small town i grew up on a farm like a, a not a it, it was a hobby farm my dad had another job but um but i grew up in the country and uh in the sort of sub outside the suburbs of toronto and uh so i had no idea this industry even existed like, i mean you know it exists but i mean i didn't have cable so it was like not a thing people did and movies you know movies in my town in the in the cineplex were like i mean this is going to date me but back then it was like van damme schwarzenegger you know steven seagal like it was those kinds of movies and they never really did it for me um and so it wasn't a thing and then i went to university i went to i went to western and you'll enjoy this i was supposed to be <laughs> i was supposed to be going there to become a corporate lawyer that was the uh, that was the plan, and my roommate was one uh, in the sort of first week was going off to his film his film theory and criticism class intro to film, and they were watching a movie. He's like, "Do you want to come? You know, you're new. You don't know anybody, so you're like, okay, sure, I, I guess." And they were watching Fatal Attraction of of all things, not not a movie I'd seen before, and you know, it was like, okay, fine this is what you do in university. And um, there was a lecture beforehand and uh, and then I watched the movie and it sort of just changed. It was like a, it was like a, a switch flipped on and it was a, just a different way of looking at it. And the next day I went for the next lecture. And after that, I dropped, uh, I was supposed to major in math and political science and I dropped math. <laughs> and took film. Uh, my parents have never forgiven me. <laughs> and, uh, and that was sort of the start of it. So I, I started off, I, I fell in love with, with movies. And so that's sort of what the start was. Um, I thought I, what I, when I left university, so I, I, didn't, I did mostly film theory and criticism. 
And then uh, I took a year away in England and I went there and, and they had production. So I got to do some of that and I just volunteered on everybody's films and, and productions. And uh, I got my first intro to screenwriting and, uh, and then I came back for my fourth, my final year and I, and I made some of my own things and then I left and I was like, I'm going to become a screenwriter. So that was it. That was it. You, you were like screenwriter. That's where I'm going to go. That's where I was going to go. And, you know, I probably was like everybody who starts out. I was like, I'm going to be this, but I also want to direct. <laughs> and, yes. um, and so, uh, and so I started just, I, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I didn't have any contacts. I didn't, um, you know, ironically, the first job I got was that, uh, that screening of fatal attraction that I went to. Uh, the professor who was teaching it, uh, her husband is a documentary filmmaker in, in Toronto, a guy named Kevin McMahon. And he's made a whole bunch of, uh, a ton of stuff. Great storied career, incredibly talented uh, guy. And she helped me get a job with him um, working on a documentary for the NFB called McLuhan's Wake about Marshall McLuhan. And I was production coordinating, um, but it was just, a, it was a job. It was the first thing I did. Technically, the first thing I did was I did bookkeeping for a documentary director, which was the weirdest thing. Again, like, you know, it's this weird background where I, I was like a math whiz as a kid. And then I, I moved over to this side of things. And so I had this weird skill set where I could do both uh, both sides of things. But and it all pays off. It all comes together. It does. You know, and we can get into this because I actually uh, I have a, I, you know, when we get further down the line of the story, you, you'll realize that the thing that I do that ties everything together is story. That's that's what I am, that's who I am. I'm a story person. And uh, I, I often say to people that, you know, they're like, well, you were good at math and now you're good at that. And I'm like, it's not different. It's the same really? thing. It's the same way of thinking, at least how I understood math. Math, you know, somebody who deeply understands math, it's a different thing. Like they're seeing things on a different level. I never did. I'm very good at following patterns. I'm good at seeing formulas. I'm good at seeing how things, one thing leads to another. That's story. It's totally story. It's so interesting because so often I think you think of the people making movies as being ultra creative and leaning into the creativity to give them the edge. But it's so interesting to hear you say it's actually, you know, kind of the structure of it that makes it successful. Oh man, for the first, you know, decade of my career, I, I probably had a massive insecurity about not feeling as creative as other people where I'm like, you know, because there's people you meet and I, I meet them still to this day and I feel intimidated with how wildly creative they are. And, and I'm just, I still, I look at it, I'm like, wow, how do you do that? And it's just there's different ways of thinking. I am creative. I'm just creative in a different way. I work, I've always worked well with like a scenario. Like I'm, I'm, my creativity comes from like, what if scenarios? What if this went here? What if that went there? Um, and then when you, you know, when we get into sort of bake specifically, I can talk to you about how that sort of plays out and where creative creativity lies. But creativity is not just a, a thing that I thought it was when I was, you know, 25, where I was like, oh, creativity is just like you make up crazy stories and like, it is that. And it's like, it, but it's, it's, it's a lot of things and there's a lot of different ways to, um, to tap into your creativity. So I don't, I think that's, that is almost like the first thing I, I, you know, I want to say to, to people starting out and I do say is like, you just find your own creativity. It's not going to be the same as anybody else's and don't be intimidated by the fact that yours doesn't look like that person or that person. It's, it's all different. So I'm also really curious about 
kind of the difference for in being a writer for an, an scripted series versus a non-scripted series because obviously being a writer for a scripted series makes a ton of sense you know yeah. you're, you're literally writing the script but obviously with unscripted series is uh, you know what does it mean to be a writer so some of it's quite mechanically just writing what people say on big show our writer writes what ann and alan say um you know, in the beginning of challenges, they write the cold opens, those little sort of sketches at the top of the show. Doesn't mean Alan and Anne don't bring things to that because they're wildly creative and, and um, improvisational. And so they bring, you know, some some of the best stuff, not not no slight on our writers who are amazing, but they set up a, a sort of world and then Anne and Alan play within that world and they're very good at playing within that world. And um, so that's what the writer the, the writer, the straight writer job does on these shows is literally just writes it. Um, there's a whole other component of writing nonfiction though, uh, or like factual entertainment. And that's what's called a story editor. And it's a type of writing, but it's, it's, a, it's a weird type of writing because you're not, you are writing with words. There's narration in the show. Obviously our writers can't pre-write that. So that's something that's written by um, by the story editors who are working with the material afterwards. The writers only work before the show is shot and, and while the show is being shot. And then once it finishes shooting, they're done. And now our post team takes over and every post team is a combination of editors and story editors. Editor, it's easy to know what they do. They, they work the avid, they actually make the cuts, they you know, lay on the music, they actually make it come alive. But the story editor is a bit of a job that I think people don't really know what it is. And it's a writer, yes. It's like a hybrid writer-editor in a weird way um, because you're writing with footage. And that's a kind of peculiar thing to say, like, how do you do that? You write with words, but you don't. And, you know, and my favorite thing is some people, when you say writer, you're like, I'm a writer for this. They're like, ah, I knew it. It's all fake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not fake. It's not. I'm sure there are shows. I've never worked on any of the ones that are actually fake where they're really writing scenarios. Um, you know, I've, I've heard stories of, of some of the American productions, but I don't, I, I've never done anything like that. Anything I've worked on, it's not that at all. But it's like this, you know, take baking as an example. It's not, it's not full of kind of television worthy drama. You probably have things where you're like, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if this is good enough. Does this taste good? Why did my cake rise? But it, it's like, it's like a slow moving accident, right? It's like, you know, you bake a cake and you decorate it properly. It's gonna take you, you know, we make them do it in like four hours, but you know, at home you might be like, I'm gonna take the whole day and do this. <laughs> okay, now imagine watching that. <laughs> that's, it, it's, no, no, I mean, maybe you're the most entertaining baker on earth, but that's probably not gonna be entertainment for most people. So the writer's job is to, distill something down for TV audiences. It's to turn it from real life footage. And this is true, I think, of any factual entertainment. It, the story editor's job is turning it from, from the banality of everyday life, because most of it, that's what it is, especially on a show like ours, where we're not, we're not putting them in pressure situations to, to really generate, a, I mean, a slight pressure, but it's like, we're giving you only four hours is you know it is a lot for them to do in four hours but it's not uh, like some of the some of the shows are really like you have 10 minutes to do this impossible thing that's not really what our show's about and so uh you need somebody who can go through all that and say okay what's interesting what tells a story that we want to tell this is kind of the key one um 
you know the beginning and you know the end because somebody went home and somebody was star baker. So you know these things. And then there's a whole wealth of possibilities you can tell the story of in between. And your job is to find out what's the most interesting one. A, what gets you from, from A to Z? B, what's interesting? Um, every show has a tone, a texture, a feel. What, what fits the tone and texture of the show? Like, so our show, you know, we don't really have this, and we can talk about this in a second, but, you know, if there was somebody who was incredibly mean and, like, competitive and, like, sabotaging somebody, on MasterChef, that would be gold. <laughs> You'd be like, woo, we love that. On Big Show, that's not our vibe. That's not what we're trying to do. We would cut that. Again, I've never had that happen. I'm just, I'm just using an example. Um, we would cut that out. That wouldn't exist in our world because it's, it's not the world we're trying to, to, to show. So there's all these choices that have to be made. And part of it is just like, what's the, the, the main thing is always gonna be, what's the most entertaining show that fits within the boundaries of the kind of show we want to be? Um, we're on fifth season five, we know what kind of show Big Show is. And so we know what fits our world and what doesn't. There's always gonna be gray area of like, eh, this is kind of different, you know? And so, you're, you're always gonna to wanna to fit your sort of your model. What is the kind of show we are? Then you've got anywhere from 10 to three bakers who are taking place. And you kind of have to keep them all alive on this show. It's not, there are shows where, you know, a couple might just disappear for an episode. Mm -hmm. Our show, that doesn't happen. You need, to, you need to make sure everybody's story gets told somewhat. There may be ones that you shine a, a bigger light on and less of a light on, but everybody gets their moments. You know, they're all gonna have say, three beats and their beats might be, you know, I, you, you've seen the show. I mean, how nitty gritty do you want to get with this? Because, you know, obviously when you're doing two of the three challenges, there are introductions to what they're baking. And so that's always going to be one beat. Like they all get a chunk mm -hmm. there where there's like a, there's an, a, an entry clip, there's a, a sketch that tells you what they're baking and then there's an out clip. And that's, their, that's sort of like their, their, their big moment to shine. Even when there's 10 bakers and we have zero time for anything, everybody gets their moment. And then they all get tasted. So that's that's beat number two. Generally in story, a story becomes a story in general in most things when there are three beats, three moments where you hit that that story. Two is, is not quite a story yet. Mm -hmm. Think about it in simple terms, beginning, middle, end. You always sort of need a beginning, middle and end. And in our show, that sort of means within every act and then within the show. And so somebody else might have a story that's more interesting. So they might have a beginning, you know, three beats in between because they're struggling with something. They, oh, they have to, they, they take it out and it's burnt and they have to redo it and they're gonna redo it. And then they, they take it out and it is, it's perfect, amazing. Or it, it still didn't work out. And then they get tasted and it's a big victory because they, they solved or it's, it's, they just didn't make it. That's a longer story. So the story editor is mining material, trying to find ways to tell that story. But you always have to be aware that telling stories uh, in a TV medium is quick, very fast. And so everybody's real life stories are not fast. So somebody might be like, you know, we have, we have great storytellers, you know. Um, I, I, are you watching this season? Yeah, I am. So, so we have so we have Steve on this season. Steve is a wonderful storyteller. Wonderful storyteller. Always such have a, a great character. story. Yeah. Such a great character. <laughs> I love him. 
and he tells these stories and that you're listening like, oh man, such an intricate, great story. And you get into the edit suite and you're like, I don't have time to tell that full story. So you have to distill it down and be like, okay, what is, he probably watches it and he's like, oh, you missed all the best parts. And I would do the same thing. And I'm like, we did miss the best parts, but it's, it's what we can distill down into TV time. And mm -hmm. so, um, so you're dealing with, uh, so you're dealing with that. So that's part of the story is the character story. And then there's the whole other element of, we're also telling a story of a bake. Something's being baked. So most recent episode was bread. So Bob Cub, you, our show tries to give you a little window into what it means, what a Bobka is, what it means to make it, what the general steps are. We're not a how-to show. We don't, we don't, I always say, we give the illusion that we're teaching you how to bake. Yeah, that's because, exactly it. Because you don't actually learn anything. We don't have the time for that. And it's not what the show is. The show is a character show. And the, the, the thing that they all do is bake. But it's, that being said, our audience wants enough window into the baking that they feel like they're kind of getting a sense of it. And I say now that I actually uh, am a pretty decent baker. I don't bake a lot, but I'm pretty decent baker only because I've worked on five seasons of this and I learn <laughs> a lot from picking it all up. So when I actually do it, I'm like, I don't make the mistakes because I know what they are. <laughs> but, but that's a different, that's a different world. I've watched a lot of baking footage in my life. And, um, and so, so there's the two lines, the characters, and then there's the story of the bake itself. So you have to understand, like you can't, on our show, you wouldn't, um, in terms of like how it unfolds, it feels kind of like I, what we shoot for is something that feels seamless. Like it's just sort of unfolding in front of you. And it feels like, oh, this is just, they just really just condensed down time and it's sort of happening. It is actually an incredibly intricate show on a story level. You are bouncing a lot of balls at the same time. And it's very hard, like, you, you, every single shot matters in the story, every single comment matters, and it's very intricate to, to lace it all together. It's interesting to hear you talk about it on such a technical level because there is so much that happens in one episode. And I think that, I mean, when I'm watching it, it there is clear how tightly run of a ship it is and how everything has to come together for the episode to, to appear so simple. And I think that that's part of the magic of the show that you can swap in you know, different hosts, different judges, different contestants, but the show works because the format, the formatting in and story is so good. And of course that formatting was not born in Canada. It was yeah. born in the UK. So can you talk a little bit about the journey from you know, across the pond for the, for, you know, the show? I can a little. Uh, this is the part where I, I, I don't, uh, I had to ask questions to get the answers because I came on, I have been on the show since, since the first episode. I worked on the very first episode, but at that time I was a story editor. So I didn't start until the, sh the first season had shot. And then I began, well, I, I had totally started shooting. So I wasn't part of the process of it coming over here and anything like that. But I, I asked my executive producer, a woman named Kathy James, who's a brilliant, brilliant woman. Um, and she, uh, she told me about the story, which is, is essentially that uh, CBC had the rights and um, they wanted to bring it, uh, they wanted to bring it over. And because Proper Entertainment, which is the company that, that produces the show, uh, had done MasterChef Canada and they'd, they'd already shown they successfully could move a food competition show into a, a Canadian format, uh, they approached Proper and that's sort of what the genesis was. They approached Proper, would you like to do this? They did and it began. And Kathy brought on a, 
another very talented woman named Merica Emery, who was who came off MasterChef, and uh, Merica uh, was the first showrunner on the show. And so Kathy and Merica actually went to the to the UK and sat in for some of the shooting of the Great British Bake Off and got to sort of take in that whole world. Oh wow! Yeah. And so then, when they first started developing it, you know, they obviously had this hugely successful format. Was there anything in particular that they thought, you know what, we need to make this work for a Canadian audience? It's not just going to, you know, we can't just cut and paste everything. And I'm curious about what that process was like. This part I can talk about <laughs> because this is where <laughs> I started. Um, because again, I was on that first episode. Like there were, there were certain things, like if, you're, if you know the British format very well, you'll know the British, um, the British format has... Uh, and I think they still do it occasionally, not as much. They have these moments where they go into like, they're almost like history sections where they'll go to like Austria and to Vienna and they'll talk to somebody who, who you know, makes Dampfnudel and, you know, find out the history of what that is. And, and, and for nerds like me, I, I, I quite enjoy them. Um, but they were never, they, it was kind of like, that was long off the table before I got involved. It's like, no, we're not going to do that. And there's two reasons. One, they didn't think it was, I don't think, right for a Canadian audience. But two, um, the thing that I don't know if people consider is that our show is significantly shorter than the British show. They're a full hour commercial free. I don't know if they are now. Probably got about 10 to, to, 10 to 15 more minutes than we do. Oh, wow. So, and we don't, we do the same amount of things they do. We do the same number of challenges. And so we have those, we have all the pieces, but we just have a lot less time to do it. But when you, when you work as a story editor, especially when you start when they're in the middle of shooting, which I, I, I did, um, they kind of just give it to you and say, go. <laughs> and, and so uh, I was working with this great editor named Miles Daverin, who is, who is the, the, the editor who kind of, he, he's the one who sort of, America and, and Miles kind of pulled me into the show. I, I was actually working on a car show when they found me. And we were at the same company, America and I would talk in the, in the lunchroom and she's like, this guy knows story. I, I, he's not an idiot. And so uh, we were working on it. We had to figure this out. How do you do this show in less time? And the first cut we put together was an hour and 20 minutes long. And we looked Whoa. at it and we're like, and that happens, right? You make something way too big, especially a new show. You're just trying things out. And, but we looked and we're like, but this is actually good material. Like this is entertaining. And so we were distraught. We were like, how are we possibly going to do this? It's impossible. We can't, we have to cut, we can't do a technical. We can't do a signature. We can't do something. And then we sat down after we moped and we sat down and we uh, and we, we was like, okay, well, I guess we just go through it and we see what can happen. And so we started going through it. And uh, I think we cut a half an hour out in our first sitting and we're like, oh, okay, yeah, no, we can do this. And so what it becomes down to is that the British just have, it's a more of a slow burn. They have more opportunity to get into the technical VO and like the real nitty gritty of the baking. Their pace, if you watch them side by side, the pace is different. Um, it's just a, it, ours is a much quicker pace than theirs. And it had to be, I, I sort of, you know, to go back to that, that Genesis story, it's like, we, we cut a half an hour out. And by the time, uh, we were at the end of it, 
of making that episode, we, we would have told you there's nothing else we could put in like that. We, we really felt like we had the best 44 minutes that there possibly were. And there was not a thing we would have wanted to add. And that often happens. It's like, you feel, you feel the boundaries of television making can be very frustrating. There are moments, you know, and cause I've done this for, I did this for MasterChef too. And the MasterChef, there were generally some where I was like, there's too much to stuff in here. Um, you know, where, where you get to the point where you're cutting, you're like, if I had just three more minutes, this would be slightly better. And you just don't have it. That's fine. It very rarely happens. I've had a couple of those, that, that particular show where I was like, I would have taken those three minutes. Most shows, once you get your pace right and you, and you, and you figure it out, it forces you to choose only your best stuff. And that is generally better for quality. Like, and that's what happens when you're allowed the time to do it. Sometimes it's great. But for, a, for a sort of most television audiences, that's not what you're going for. You're going for something that moves and keeps you engaged. And sometimes having too much time, um, you know, if you look at Cana the, the British Bake Off versus the Canadian one, sometimes you just got to fill that. Like they, they don't have a choice. They have no good material. They have to still fill that time. So there's going to be boring patches. Whereas our worst possibility is that we have too much good material and then we can't fit it in. You're like, ah, I wish I could have used that. That's not, that's not a bad, it means the stuff you put in was probably better. And then yeah. maybe we can give it a life in the digital world and which we'll try to do sometimes. We'll be like, oh, this is funny, but I just couldn't, or it just didn't fit the tone. And you're like, I can't, I can't squeeze this in, but I really want people to see it. You know, like that you'll see now, if you follow the digital account, there's like, um, you know, Steven, who's this- Steven uh, dancing. <laughs> Steven, I was say, Steven dancing, like it's go, I mean, he's he's a hilarious, hilarious man. And then a sweet, I mean, he's such a, he's such a, we, I, I'm, I'm biased, but our characters this year, I, I adore them. They're all just lovely and they're so full of life and so full of fun. And, um, you know, there's just not enough time to fit everything we, we have. But so, you know, Steven dances a lot. It's hard to fit in the show, easy to fit in a digital piece. So you make a fun little digital piece and you can, and you can get that out there. That's so interesting. So. In terms of obviously your life with the show, you started season one as a story editor. You're obviously, you've been promoted. So now you're a showrunner. Can you talk a little bit of, first of all, what is a showrunner and what does a showrunner do? And um, yeah, and, and then what that looks like for you on the, on this show. Sure. Uh, showrunner is sort of, um, you're, you're, you're the creative head of things. Is, is probably the way to put it. And it's gonna be different. It's different everywhere, right? It depends on the on the show where the boundaries. Some 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 companies, the exec producers will be right in there, and they'll be sort of like in like making decisions with you. And sometimes they'll give you give you a little bit of a, of a, an arm's length approach. And I would say it's probably more that in terms of the creative, like Kathy, who is our, our one of our two exec producers, Alicia Capone is the other, and she tends to handle more of the sort of logistics and, and money sides of things. And Kathy gets involved in creative, sort of the split they have, and um, and so Kathy will get involved somewhat in the creative but mostly it's left to me and the culinary producer. So um, it's kind of everything from start to finish. You're the first person on and you're the last person to leave. So you, you, you have to plan the creative for the season, like what it's gonna look like, what kind of theme weeks are we gonna have? Um, that must be hard. the most fun to decide. <laughs> it's fun, it's very hard, <laughs> very hard. I can hard. imagine. And um, beforehand it's prep. It's like, yeah, making, you know, 
making sure we know what we're going to bake, what things are going to look like, um, you know, nitty gritty, like we have talented people who um, come up with the amazing looks for Alan and Ann, but those have to get approved. And so you kind of sort of have to look over that. So it's, it's, it's small things like that, that where you're going to like, you're mostly what they're doing. You're like, that's great. Amazing. <laughs> and then there's the hard stuff of like, you know, you've also got to crew up and you've got to find all the people to do all the roles and, the scripts are all getting written and those all go through me and sort of I'm giving advice on the, on the scripts to sort of strengthen those. Um, so that when you get to the day, I'm a big prep guy. I like everything. I, I feel, I think cause I baseline an anxious person that I like things done early so that I know they're done and I don't have to worry about them. So I'll sort of over prep and then get things ready. And then when you hit production, it's, it's like a maelstrom. It's, just chaos because there's all these people it's not chaos it's very organized chaos but there's many different people that you're dealing with and they all have sort of they're all working in the same direction but they all have sort of different ways of getting there and you have to sort of your job as a showrunner is to, is to bring them all together we can't I, i'm trying to think of, i'm trying to think of a, a granular example where these things coming in in into class and clash with each other but there are always things sound and picture and and all the look stuff is is there's always things where you're like well it's terrible sound, but it's good picture or whatever. And so you need somebody who can break the tie. You know what I mean? Right. And that's the showrunner's job is to say, okay, yeah, you're right. The sound's not gonna be perfect here, but it's not gonna be perfect anywhere. And we have to shoot it. We have no choice. It's gotta be done. So we're gonna have to live with that. And, you know, so we're gonna do it this way or we're gonna come with an alternate idea. So that's sort of what you're doing on the set is, is I try to give people enough room to do their job because we hired them because they're experts at their job. And so they should be able to do it. And they do. And we have great, great people, people who've been on from the beginning of the show. Um, they're all pushing to do the best for their job, but it doesn't always, it doesn't always work out that way. And so you have to make a decision and you're always trying to bounce the logistics with the creative. Okay. This doesn't, this, this doesn't work. Um, we can't do this. What could we change? So we still get the creative we need. Um, cause I, because I come from, I come from weirdly pre and post, but post is always in my brain on these shows. I have a very good sense of like, we can live without that, but we can't live without that. We need to get that. And so, um, I'm always sort of looking at that, like, okay, when I'm making decisions, I'm often, that's usually the thing that breaks it. It's like, well, that's not going to make a difference in post. So we're just going to go with it. And, or, or that is and like, you know, it, you know, we might be like, we're doing the announcement. It's raining um renouncing who's winning who's getting star and who's leaving and it's raining and our sound um our, our sound director will be like you're not going to hear anything then well then we have to hold my job is to figure out how do we get still get what we need so it's a compelling interesting entertaining show within the boundaries of reality and so it is totally a creative job it's just it's creative with uh, some pragmatism you know you have to sort of work with what you have and the best people at it can can sort of say, okay, and again, like I'll, I'll flip it to descriptive because it's the exact same thing. It's like, okay, well, this script is really good, um, but the but production says we can only have three locations and there are five. We have to cut two locations. So we have to be creative. It's, it, 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 see what I mean? Yeah. It's a pragmatic thing, yeah. but you have to be creative and say, how can we flip this script so that it's, it's three locations instead of five while still maintaining all the things that you need to be. Cause there's never a point where any network is going to say, Oh, look, 
you've had a hard go. It doesn't have to be a good episode. That's fine. Like they're, they're, nobody wants, because nobody wants it. You don't want that either. You want it to be the best thing it can be. Like it still has to be the show. It still has to be fun. So you always have to be on your toes figuring that out. And then it's just, that's a perfect segue because then you get into post and now it's all, you know, I'd say with these shows, a big chunk of it is post. It's like, that's where the show is made. And it, not, not, not to minimize anybody who came before, because that's huge. Obviously, if you don't get the right material, you're not you. So you have to, you have, to have the right people getting the right stuff. Um, but you can fix a lot in post. And you, some things you can't fix. And you sort of have to know the difference. And that's why, for what I do, there's a reason they want to, me to take this job on. I mean, I've been on set for, for a few years sort of working on it. So I, I know that side of it, too. But um, they want somebody from post for this because you have to understand it's it's like essential that you understand how the show comes together or else you're sunk because you won't get all the pieces you need and it's taken us a long time to understand that of like what um what fake show needs and you sort of the reason i eventually got brought on set was because i got that i was like we're not you're giving us you know there are places where we're not getting the material we need to tell the story we need to and we're having to work harder to, to figure it out whereas if you just got this it would just be so much easier. And so America recognized that and said, you know, okay, well, great. I'm just gonna bring you on set then. And, um, and so it's, it's having that mindset of like, what do you need to make the show great? So then you get in the post and you have to make it. And, and then you need a whole new team of people who know what they're doing. And that's where we get into the story areas, which I know feel like we, we just loop back to there. Um, yeah. So there's, they're usually the first people on um, looking at the material, trying to find a way through that material. Because if you think about it, we have, um, you know, three bakes between two and four and a half hours, roughly, um, six cameras, and all the material that's gathered from that. It's a lot of footage. It's yeah. a lot of footage to go through. And it's intimidating to sort of go through and be like, oh my God, how do I make it? How do I turn this into that? I will say this. It's a thing I tell every story editor when I hire them. And they, they never listen. <laughs> they always think I'm crazy because you watch the show. And I think, um, you know, if you watch it, tell me if I'm wrong, it feels very simple. It's kind of going back to, to the wealth of knowledge. It's, it's, you know, there's a lot of culinary people involved in this, not the least of which are our judges. And, um, and, you know, we have a whole culinary team, so they're coming up with ideas. And then, and then I, I, I'm kind of in there just being like, what about this? Can we do this? Cause I'm not, I don't have a baking background. I'm, I like stories. So I'm like, you know, but I do know what it's like to tell the stories of different things baking, if that makes sense. So I can be like, look, we could do this challenge, but, um, bread, bread's a notorious one. Bread's, bread's a lot of rising time. So you have to be careful with something like bread because a lot of it's just waiting. What do you do while they're waiting? That's always the question. What are they doing here? Wait, okay, let's go through the steps. What do they do here? Because if it's an hour and a half of them just standing around, what do I show? And so that's why sometimes they'll be like, I don't know why they had to do a dip with that. And you're like, well, it's because it gave them something to do. It, quite, quite honestly, it's just to keep things moving because it's all the show is most interesting when they're doing things and it adds like you know we have like two hilarious people who walk around and 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 you know 
I'll put his Ann. Ann calls herself a chaos agent. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, she just walks around and she's like, they're just there to kind of make people laugh and see what comes up. But it's always more interesting if there's something to bounce off of, right? They're doing yeah. something. They're doing some of the interesting ingredients or, um, you know, whatever it is, it's got a good story behind. And so you need people who can do it and get it and sort of cut right to the heart of it. Like, it's like a lot of guts. It's like, what do you think is, what do you, when you're watching it, I would say this, it's like, you know, my bellwether is this, like when you're watching footage, I'm like, it's okay, it's boring. I know it's boring. It just is. It's watching people do something quite banal. So your gut is huge because if you're watching and something makes you laugh or you lean in closer because you're intrigued, um, that's a good sign that it should be in the show because it's cutting through the sort of banality of these things. I mean, this whole genre of television, of reality television, you know, it, it, it is, it's had to deal, like they all have to deal with that. The banality of what day-to-day existence is like, you know, if somebody just followed me through my day, it would be boring, but is there a way you could cut it that it would be quite interesting? You know, maybe, I don't know, possibly. <laughs> probably, probably and, if it was you cutting it. <laughs> and so, um, you know, you have to just know the tricks of what it takes. And, mm. and, and part of it's just like, I'm like, don't overthink it. If it makes you laugh we should try to put it on the show because it's probably good if it made you if you're like i didn't know that and and it, it makes you think it's probably worth being in the show and then we'll try to make the show around that like you know first you'll be like oh, i i have stories do this sometimes where they're like yeah i just it just didn't fit in i couldn't fit it in i'm like no we will change we'll make it fit just so that it's in there because that's what makes the show special like you don't yeah. want to lose those really special bits like our show you know to to loop back to the british versus canadian thing and what it is its pace is different and and i don't i you know i don't know uh if this is readily apparent to people but like they're both nice shows what i always say i i like about the show is that it's it's a nice show about nice people who just really love what they're doing and they're passionate and they're there because they love it and, and the prize is nice, the, the recognition, but it's not for cash. It's not for anything like that. So it really is just about proving it to yourself. It's not, I'm better than that person. It's like, I did the best I could do. And there's something really compelling about that, watching people who care enough about a thing um, that they, they're willing to put this time in. Because these bakers work so hard. Yeah. I don't think people realize how hard they work. Like they, what, from the time they find out they're on the show until they get on, they are baking incessantly. And this particular crop, I, 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 I mean, they were, they were probably above and beyond. Like they worked hard. And I mean, the results show they, they've, they've been incredible. Their bakes have been amazing. And so our show, um, I think you, if you watch the back, you realize that like we've leaned into something that they don't as much like there's a probably a little bit of the helping in that show the british one but i don't think it's as prominent as ours our show has very much like has almost become even more the nice show where we we really give a, a place to to the helpers mm-hmm. um you know if you think about season four like i mean most people's favorite was rafi cap because you know very first episode she's out there helping somebody and you're like and it's I, so I find the same thing. It's just, so you love it. And you're like, you know, every so often people are like, it's a competition show. How can they help each other? I'm like, they just can't because it's, it's fine. Like that's the whole point is it's not really a competition show, even though they're competing, they're not really competing against each other. And what our show has become is a show where people who love it, love it because they see people helping each other 
And so they come in being like, I love the fact that people help each other. So when they come on the show and they see somebody struggling, they're like, I want to help. I want to be the helper because it's a nice thing that they like. And so it's become, it's like once we did it the sort of first time, it became this thing that people are like, that's what I love. And that's what people have really connected with on our show. And it's, it, I think it's become its own distinct thing from the British Bake Off. And, you know, there's probably people who love the British Bake Off more and there's people who love our show more and that's fine. That's, that's just taste. But, um, but I really feel like we're not just a, you know, and it never is, but we're not just a, a sort of ripoff of the British show. We are our own thing and we have our own personality and our own character. And, um, and I think, I think it, it sort of attracts people who like that sort of thing. I agree. And there's so, I, I don't think that there's enough reality TV that celebrates that type of thing, especially in competition settings, like you said. Um, so I think it is part of the secret to the success too, is that, you know, it is friendly. It's what you watch on Sunday night. And so my final question before I let you go is now that you're show running the baking show, and I'm sure, you know, when you meet people, you tell them and all your friends know that you're doing this. So now over time, when you go to dinner parties or go out, do people always kind of like bring you baking? Is this a big part of your life now? Are they trying to like prove to you that they could be on the baking show? Does this happen a lot? I'll tell you one story. I'll tell you one person because I, you know, what, season one, um, we had this amazing baker named Linda. I don't know if you, if you remember Linda. Linda was a uh, grandmother no, from, oh. from like, uh, Saskatchewan or Alberta. Alberta, I think. And um, and Linda was, she's a, she's a phenomenal baker. And she was like, but a classic sort of like grandma who bakes um, and bakes very well. And she she did she did really well. She missed the, fin- the finale. But um People were like, instead, people were like, oh, Linda's the best. I wish she was my grandma. And I always would say, yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, this is no disrespect to Linda. This is me respecting my own mother, who is an amazing baker. And I'm like, that's pretty good. My mom could do that. My mom could do better because she's my mom. Of course, she's better. I love Linda, but my mom's better. And, um, and I will say that the, after the first season, I was like, you know, I, you know, I've worked on a lot of things where I'm like, hey, you guys can watch or not watch. But this show, I was like, yeah, hey, mom, you'd like this show. You should watch it for sure. And she did. And then I went back for Christmas that year. And I noticed that she had baked all sorts of things that I hadn't seen her make in like a decade. <laughs> like there was a brandy snaps challenge and she, and everybody did terribly. And she made this growing up a thing that's very similar to brandy snaps. And I, I hadn't seen this. I was a kid and suddenly they're back. And I was like, I was like, she was doing the same thing I was doing. <laughs> she was like, I can do this. <laughs> so that's, that's my one example. Other than that, I, it's shocking. I haven't, um, I haven't had a lot of, of people, people do that. Um, but I'm hoping now when things start opening up, they will, because then I get great baked goods out of it. <laughs> that's a wonderful story. That's very, very sweet. So can you tell everyone where they can find the show, where they can keep up with you, and um, how they can get involved? Sure. Uh, uh, the show is airing uh, now on CBC and CBC Gem Sundays at eight o'clock. Uh, and I think by the time this airs, uh, which is early December, right? Um, it will be announced, it's not yet announced, but that there'll be the regular season. And there's also a holiday special that's airing in, in early December and um, bringing back some old, some former bakers to the tent for, um, for, for some special holiday bakes, which is very exciting. And uh, it will come right after the season. So right before Christmas in time for your holiday baking, all very exciting. And um, 
the previous seasons are on CBC Gem or on Netflix, uh, very binge-worthy, the perfect sort of uh, antidote for winter blahs. It is a very nice, sweet show that makes you very hungry. <laughs> and I'm so excited about the holiday special because, I mean, baking's great, but baking at Christmas is like next level great, you know? So that's fabulous. Well, thank you so, so much. Um, I appreciate your time so much. And it, I really loved getting into the weeds of, you know, behind the show. <laughs> I'm glad. I, I told you I can get granular. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was great. It was amazing. Okay, there you have it, our very first episode of Canadian Made. If you want to join in on the fun from week to week, you can follow us on Instagram at Canadian Made Podcast. Reach out to us, send us an email at Canadian Made Podcast at gmail.com. And we're going to be back here every Wednesday. So until then, have a great week.